All right. Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that everybody's here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors that I just embarrassed because I didn't have my mic. We're so glad that you're here with us today. So thank you for joining us. If you are here with us for the very first time, hey, if you're a guest with us, we always invite you to come back at least three times to check us out. Everybody say three times. As wise we would know, you know, come on, sometimes you come on experiences where the pastor forgets the mic on the stage, and so it's just weird. And so we hopefully would be your spiritual family. That's kind of our goal as well. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review, do something in the chat. Uh, let us know, you know, where you're from, maybe what you're eating right now for breakfast, and uh, and just let us know that you're a part of our, uh, of our church experience online. We are in the middle of a series called Winning the War in Your Mind, and uh, we, we did it because, you know, I really felt like our staff was... Uh, talking about that, I mean, we really are going through a really um, uh, interesting and unique season where most of us are struggling with the things that are going on in our brains. And so we read this book kind of as a staff, and it was a great book. Uh, it's actually written by a pastor of a church in Oklahoma. Named Life, it's called Life Church. His name is Craig Rochelle. It's a great book. Again, it's not the Bible. It uses the Bible, and he uses the Bible to teach us ways of how to really help us win the war in our minds. And so we've been, um, we're selling these uh, for what you can get them on Amazon, so it's not that we just want to make them available to you here, or you can always buy this online. Uh, but it's a great book, and I'd love to give a couple away just as the start of the series. So, would anybody want this book? If I gave it to you, would you read it? Come on, you uh, you shut your hand up right there. He's got it. Come on, like the price is right, you got to give it up for him. You're be like, he won something. There you go, sir. Yes, sir. You're welcome. Congratulations. And one more. I got one more here to give. Anybody else want this book? Anybody? Anybody? All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, yep. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, all right. There we go. She won. She won. There you go, ma'am. You're welcome. God bless you. And, uh, and then at the end of service, we're actually giving away, just I always give away these kind of fun prizes and things to just make you think about when you leave the message. Um, we're giving away these little brains, so like how to think, and it's got a Rise Church on it. And uh, it's, it's twofold, right, to remind you, but then it's also like a stress reliever because we're going to talk about worry today. And so, um, and it's actually actually proven, honestly, it's called body work. So if you ever get up stuck in your mind, they say you go do something with your life, you know, go work out or do something that actually helps your stress. So they call them stress balls, so you kind of squeeze them. So we're going to give all of these away to everybody in service today as you walk out. Isn't that cool? So everybody gets one. So anybody want one of these right now? Anybody? Anybody? I love to throw things. All right, awesome. Here, I'm going to throw it over there. So hopefully it doesn't hit somebody. I'm sorry, ma'am. Sorry, partial. And so please do not sue us. That's not, you know, anyway. So all right, here we go. Uh, again, starting a brand new series called Winning the War in Your Mind. Or not starting. We're finishing a brand new series, Winning the War in Your Mind. And um, one of the things we've been really talking about it's just, man, God has so many good things to say about doing this and, and, and mind and mind control and not really, not really the new age thought on thinking about our minds. We're talking about biblical thoughts about how it, we can win this war in our minds. And before I start, because this is a unique service, I love the 11 o'clock service. Y'all are amazing. I'm so happy that you're here, but I'm going to ask you a favor. Can I ask you a favor before I get started? All right, this is the only thing that your pastor is ever going to ask of you, okay? I'm going to ask one thing of you until next week, okay? I'm going to ask you this right now is would you please consider moving to the 1230 service. All right. Like, I want you to consider this. Here's why I want you. To, I want you to hear something. Okay. Church, our church is about reaching people and building lives. Here's what I found that if there's no seats to reach people, you can't do that. I, I have a cup. If I have a cup and it's 32 ounces, you know what I've noticed? I can't put more than what? 32 ounces in the cup. I can pray for the cup. I can anoint the cup. I can call the cup blessed, 
but the cup holds 32 ounces, y'all, right? So there's only a certain amount of seats inside this service, and what you'll find is that most guests who are looking for a new life-giving church that you have found, come on, somebody, you have found, are going to come to this service. So if you're brand new, this ain't for you, but if you're a family member and we call you family and I'm your pastor and this is your church, please, 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 please consider going to the 1230 service. Everybody say, okay? okay. Everybody say, I got you. Got you. All right, we'll move on from that. We'll start this message. All right, here we go. So number thing, a couple of things before we get started. Ground rules. I'm not a mental health expert. So please, 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 if you are going through something right now, like you are actually struggling in your mind, you have depression, anxiety, there's fear, there's something going on, I highly encourage you, don't wait to go talk to a mental health professional. Please do that. In fact, I will help you do that. We have uh, forms and papers outside in our information center with a list of licensed counselors that are Christian counselors that have been vetted by multiple churches in our area that will help you get to the right place and make you take and help you take a step okay so don't 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 wait to go get help go get help right now okay amen amen so make sure you do that just want to give that caveat on the front end but i'm going to teach bible today and we're going to look at it. last week uh, we talked about or, or two weeks ago we started the series talking about how we need to identify the lies first that god god gives us truth and enemy loves to pervert that truth with his lies and tell us things that aren't true about you and about me and we have to be able to identify them and then replace them with his truth of what god told us about our lives it's a great message please go watch it on youtube spotify it's in all the podcasts we put all of our messages online um, week two last week we talked about that we all not only one of the ways we're going to have to win the war in our minds is recognize that we have a cognitive bias that we have a lens that we see life through and if you see life negatively, you will get a negative life. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind, we learned. And we have to learn to look at life with the right lens. This week, we're going to talk about that, that crazy thing that happens when you allow your thoughts to run wild, and we're calling it worry. We're going to talk, how do you deal with worry inside of our lives? How do you do that? Um, because I'm telling you, if we can learn how to figure that out and fix that part, it's going to be huge for us. So we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you don't know anything about the Bible, I'm going to give you some context because context is key. When we're reading about a man named Elijah. First Kings chapter 19, the Bible is broken up into primarily two main parts. It's an Old Testament and there's the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, you'll see there's a first Kings and a second Kings. Now, those two books were originally uh, together. They called it one big book called Kings. And it tells the story historically uh, of all the kings that came after King David. And that was the David that did the David and Goliath. He, that's that same David, the famous David. And he establishes the king of uh, the, the kind of the, the, the kingdom of Israel. And then Kings tells about all the kings that come after him. Now, what's interesting about all the kings that come after David, um, including Solomon, unfortunately, his son, that you start to see them drift away serving uh, and worshiping the king, the, the God of, of Yahweh, the real true God of Israel, to false gods over a long period of time. And you start to see them drift away and even create you know, temples and statues and different things that, of that nature. And what God does is he puts prophets in the world to help, help the kings hear from the mouth of God. So they were the mouthpiece for God to the king, okay? So they were kind of his advisors and judges. They were really helping the kings to stay on track or they would judge the king when they were doing things against the Torah. And so you you see in 1 Kings uh, rise up a very special and prominent prophet called Elijah. Now, how many of you have ever heard of Elijah before? Elijah, okay. So Elijah is a big deal. This is the guy who had a big ministry. He has a big platform. He does amazing things. In fact, the Bible says one time that he actually has a showdown or a throwdown with King Ahab and all of his prophets who were worshiping a king named, uh, or a, a god named Baal, which was a Canaanite god, which was the, kind of the enemy of the children of Israel at the time. And he has this showdown with these prophets of like 800 prophets and 
He starts to say things like, you know, all right, well, well, let's have a showdown. I'll show you how powerful my God is. You show me how powerful your God is. And you should go read it because actually you, you see like Elijah almost making fun of their prophets and their gods. He's like, go ahead, see, see, pray harder. Maybe he's not paying attention. You know, he kind of messes with them a little bit. And then he prays to his God. Fire comes down. I mean, he does miracle things. Fire comes down and he shows off how powerful God really is. And then he winds up at the end killing all those prophets because they were prophets of the false God. It's wild. I'm telling you, if this was like a movie, every one of us would watch it to be a blockbuster. It's amazing. You should read the Bible because it's amazing. But the point of all of this is I want you to see is that Elijah is at the peak of his ministry. He had just did amazing things. In fact, the Bible records seven major miracles that Elijah winds up doing. He does incredible things for God. He has got the biggest platform. He's selling all the books. He has all the Instagram followers. Everybody's watching him on TBN. It's amazing. Okay. So Elijah's a big deal. This is important. Before we read 1 Kings chapter 19, because I want you to see if it can happen to Elijah. Well, you know the rest. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 2, and it says, so, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Elijah. Now, here's what's funny. Now, you ever hear that? Like, that, that woman's got a Jezebel spirit. This is where that comes from, okay? I just want you to know, this is not a good thing, all right? Like, Jezebel is in the Bible. So Jezebel is the wife of Ahab, or one of his wives from Ahab. And, and he, she notices and recognizes that he killed all the prophets from their, their god, Baal. And so Ahab tries to kill Elijah multiple times, and it never does not So, so uh, Jezebel gets so mad, and this is the message she sends to Elijah. After he just did amazing things on behalf of God, she says this, May the God strike me and even kill me if this by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. This is what's amazing to me. Verse 3. This is Elijah's response. Elijah was afraid, fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And in verse 4, this is interesting. And then, the Bible says, then he does what you and I do when we get frustrated and someone says something about us on Facebook and tags us in it. And, and, and we didn't, we, we found out that we were talked about, you know, you remember when you get found out? Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about? When someone was talking about you, you know how you feel? Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? And he does what you and I do. He says, and then he went on alone into the wilderness. Just so you know, the biggest temptation in any moment when you're, when you're attacked is to retreat and try to be alone. It's the most unsafe thing you can do. The Bible speaks about it. It says uh, that, that, that he who isolates himself rages against sound judgment. Isolation is the first step to death, just so you know. Traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. And he said this, like you and I say this. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Have anybody ever said that recently, last week, (laughs) yesterday, on the way to church, this morning when you got out of the car? Anybody ever get out of the car with your kids and you get out of the car, the car's done, you get out of the car and your kids are sitting there staring at the window and you're like, we get out of the car every day (laughs) and you're stuck. And you look up to heaven, you say the same thing that we all say. What do you say? I've had, I've, I have had, come on, moms, enough. And he says this crazy thing. He says, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. So let's clarify. Elijah just did a miracle. He's got the biggest ministry, the biggest platform. God's doing amazing things for God, on behalf of God, because of God. And 
and then somebody threatens him to kill him. And this is what worry does. This is what worry does. It makes you silly. He was threatened. He, somebody threatened to kill him, and then he asked God to kill him. Anybody ever, you ever talk to somebody who has, like, worry issues? They don't make no sense. They live in a completely weird world that's made up and fictional. You notice that? Somebody who's highly, high anxiety, they're like, but this could happen, and this could happen, and this could happen. And you're like, what? Come on. And, and if it could happen to Elijah, hey, hey. It can happen to us. So with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, I love you, God. Lord, I'm honored to be here on your behalf. We're, we're excited that you're, you're, you're going to teach us something today about worry and how to win the war in our minds. And that, Holy Spirit, I am recognized that every time I get on this platform, that without you, this words mean nothing. So I'm begging you on behalf of your people, please show up today in this message and give us something unique and fresh in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 I grew up in youth ministry. Anybody grow up in youth ministry? Growing up in church, anything like that? Youth group, youth group, right? Like youth group, like that's 15 and below, right? You can't have any more and more, more than 15 kids. Otherwise, it's youth ministry. We did youth group. And so we had youth group in a small, and I remember used to go camping a lot. We would go camping, and I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's nothing to do out there. Anybody from Albuquerque, y'all know, ain't nothing to do. It's nothing but desert. So we would just literally, as a youth group, we would go out and camp a lot of the weekends. One weekend, we would decide we were going to take a bunch of kids. We, we didn't have 15 kids. We had 18 kids. How many of y'all know God's moving when you have 18 kids? We're like, Lord, we need a bigger uh, room. Not a building. We need a bigger room. So we're like, all right, so we're going to take 18 kids. We had 18 kids, and my youth pastor at the time was one year older than me. He decided to have the great idea to rent an 18-passenger van. Now, what's interesting about the 18-passenger van, they're very rare nowadays, but back in the day, you could get these big old long-ended white vans that are incredibly unsafe. And um, what I learned as a youth minister... This is why we don't do this in our youth ministry here, just so you all know. Anytime we go to camp or go somewhere else, it's in our, I'm writing it in our bylaws, Pastor Jason. We don't allow people to drive in 18-passenger vans because we believe they're patently unsafe. You want to know why? I'll tell you a story. I'm about to go up to this campground. We're getting all in the 18-passenger van, and I'm sitting in the back. Now, how many of y'all know that's like the worst place to be inside of a van? Anybody get sick in the back of a car? Anybody like me? So I'm in the back of the van. I'm already nervous. And the youth pastor, who's like one year older than I am, he was in charge of all 18 kids to take up to go to camp. So we're getting in the car, and he starts driving, and he didn't seem to see that the speed limit said 55. He decided to drive 95. And I don't know if you've ever gone that fast in an 18-passenger van, that thing will whip and fishtail in the back like you are like I was on a commuter airline. I was like, what is going on back here? And I would ask the youth pastor, I'd say, Do you, what's the speed limit? He goes, oh, no, we're getting there. And I'm like, OK. And so he would hit. It was an old van. He would hit a bump. And when he hit the bump, I'm telling you, this thing had no shocks up in it. Because if you ever driven in a car with no shocks, anybody ever driven in a car with no shocks? I'm telling you what happens. I'll give you an example. What happens is, is it doesn't stop bouncing. So the first bounce on the trip that he hit, it bounced all the way to camp. I'm not kidding you. It's the first ever low rider I was in. I was powerful. I was like, this is good. This makes sense to my people. And so I'm like, all right. So we're driving up to camp and we're bouncing the whole time. Finally, we get up the mountain and we start going around curves. And I'm not kidding you. I felt like he was trying to See how close he could get to the edge. There was no guardrails, y'all. I'm like, New Mexico, let's go. New Mexico Department of Transportation, get 
some guardrails up on this mountain because he was driving. And I remember as a kid, I would put my face up against the window and I was like, oh, no, because he was like it was a one laner and he was just driving really close. The, the, the sheer cliff was right there. And I'm telling you, the wheel, there was no I'm t- I could see it. My face was like this. And I'm like, please, God. And I'm like, can you slow down? Please. We're going to fall off the cliff. We're so close. Do you all feel it in your stomach right now? I'm like, it was so high and so close, and he was driving so fast and playing Christian music like that made it better. I'm like, DC Talk is not going to save us from falling off this cliff. Y'all know DC Talk back in the... Toby Mac ain't showing up randomly in this thing. I get to the campground, and I roll out. Y'all roll out of a car. You're just like, get me out of here. Like running over people, and I was kissing the ground, and I was like, thank God I'm off that roller coaster. I'm like, thank God. Everybody say, thank God. God. Here's a problem with that, right? So that was a momentary moment in my life that I was able to get off of. But the problem is is that, that anxiety and worry can... There's some of us in here who feel like that's every day, all day long, and you next to a cliff, and your, your face is smushed up against the window waiting for you to fall off. And you can't get off of it. And you can't get off of it. And Elijah had this moment where he was stuck in worry too. And, and what's interesting about our brains is that you're actually, you ever wonder why you worry? Like remember I was telling you you have to think about what you have to think about, right? And if you ever wonder why you worry, you worry partly because you're scientifically wired that way with your brain. Your brain has a part of your brain called the amygdala. It's a little almond-shaped part of your brain. It's actually designed to control your... It, it, it helps um, regulate and send adrenaline to your body when you think you're in danger. It's why, like, if you are around a bear, your amygdala fires and says, you're in danger, run. The problem is, is it's not objective, so it, doesn't, it can't distinguish between a bear or you being embarrassed for somebody said something about you. It's not objective. So then what happens is God knew that. So you created another part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex that comes in as a logical part of your brain. And some of y'all are already like, well, that's kind of how our marriage is. My wife's the amygdala and I'm the prefrontal cortex. No, you ain't. You're just as emotional, right? Like I talk to guys and guys will be like, you know, my wife's so emotional and he's like crying on the table. I'm like, you just as emotional, homie. Like what's wrong with you? That's free. That wasn't even in my first message. Anyway, so... But like, so the amygdala works, it's emotional, it's trying to keep you alive, it's trying to say you're in, it's like, just be careful, just, just be careful. And your prefrontal cortex comes up and says, well, it's not that big of a deal. That's why when you're laying in bed at night, right, and you hear a sound, and one part of your brain says, it's a robber and you're all going to die. <laughs> the other part of your brain goes, no, it's probably that cat you should have got rid of a long time ago. Right, 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 yes, yes. Because okay. cats are the worst. So anyway, so, so. So you have two parts of your brains where you're wired like that. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. If, if left unchecked, it brings anxiety. And I define anxiety. This is how I define anxiety. It's like our amygdala is out of control, feeding us adrenaline. You're always in danger. Yeah. Now, now, here's what's crazy. Now, I want you to think about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you mad for just a minute, and then we'll move on. But I'm going to make you mad. I'm going to remind you. Science shows, and the Bible shows, that the environment you're in can affect your amygdala, can affect your brain. It affects how you think. Do you think, can you think of a time where your environment 
has made you, do you, recently, by any chance, has anything happened in your brain and in your life where you felt stressed out? Has anything in this world that you saw recently on the news and in life caused you to be a little, just a little stressed out? Let me remind you real quick, 2020. I'm just going to remind you. So something happened in March 2020 <clears throat> called COVID. The interesting thing about COVID, when it first started, nobody knew what it was. So we were trying to figure out what it was. And what was so funny is no one knew what it was, but everybody knew what it was. And I would talk to people and be like, do you think you've ever you think you had COVID? And how many of y'all heard the same story that we all hear? Well, I think I had it back in December when I was really sick. Come on, y'all. Have y'all did, didn't everybody say that? I'm pretty sure I had it back in December. And so everybody thought they had it. And then no one knew if they really had it. And then the test didn't really show if you had it. And then you, you over-tested and you had no test. And you were trying to test and you didn't know how to test. And then you were trying to figure out what was going on. We didn't know what it was. And then, and then, and then what it did was is it, 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 it immediately divided people. And then you had people coming up to me at church talking about, you shouldn't have closed church. Don't you have faith? And then I had, in the same moment, People come up to me and say, why didn't you close church? Don't you love people? And I was like, we don't know what's going on. Can, could we just, can we be unified on the gospel for a second? And, and, and we can just take a step at a time. But, but, but that's not what the world pushed you to do. What everybody told you was, pick a side because we about to battle. And so I've realized recently we're in week 78 of the two weeks to stop and slow the spread. Right? Do you remember that? Hey, two weeks to slow the spread. We're going to shut this thing down. Everything's going to work out. Still waiting. And, and so you had people... Get afraid for the first time in a long time with everything. Remember, we were wiping down Amazon packages. <laughs> Talking about you can't walk up into HEB. Yeah. You couldn't do any. You couldn't, we had it, you couldn't have church, but man, apparently COVID didn't exist at Walmart, so Walmart stayed open. But it was like, okay. I'm reminding you why we were upset. Some of y'all are still upset. And, and you think it's different now. It ain't different now. Now it's just about vaccines. It, 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 you realize this is not going away. You realize this is a tactical maneuver spiritually. Like, you got to realize, you got to see it. You got to get out of your echo chamber for a minute and stop for just a second and realize what's happening. So that happened. And then we thought that was bad. And then you had the racial unrest of the summer and you know what's crazy about you you would think that god's people above all would care more about unity and love in an opportunity what an opportunity we had 
And I had people walk up to me, Pastor, you don't talk enough about black people and, and Asian people and Mexican people and all the colors of the world. Don't you care? And then at the same moment, I had people walk up and say, you talk too much about black people and Mexican people and Asian people and all the colors of the world. Why don't you just talk about God? And I was like, last time I checked, God cared about people. So as much as I want to celebrate what your cause is, because we all have them, I'd rather celebrate the cause of Christ. But, but, but we didn't celebrate that. No, y'all got mad. Y'all got mad. Cause you want to know why? Because I didn't do what you wanted me to do. And that's okay. Jesus did that too. So I'm trying to be like Jesus a little bit, make y'all mad. And it divided us because you all said the same thing that I said. But what about dot, 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 dot. We forgot it. And your amygdala is firing. Be careful. Be on guard. They're not for you. They're going to hurt you. Don't do it. Better say something on Facebook. Otherwise, they're going to leave you. Better, Better delete that post. Don't delete that post. You better say something. Come on. Right? And I thought it was over. Oh, and then politics entered into the... (laughs) You thought I was going to make everybody happy? I'm making you all mad today. And and what was funny about the politics of that whole thing, pastor, you should... And I know you can't endorse a candidate, but could you just say something about... You know our side, right? We're our side. We need to say something. Because when you get the right person into government office, the world's going to be better. Then I had somebody say to me, you talk too much about politics and you say stuff all the time about government and you just need to stop and preach the gospel. (laughs) I was like, wow, okay. And I said, I like the whole last time. We need to make that shirt. Last time I checked, governments rise and honey, they fall. You think America's the first coming. It ain't. I love America. I love this my country. I love this country. It's an amazing country. But I'm a kingdom. I'm a, I'm a citizen. I already have an allegiance first. It's the kingdom of God. And so, 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 so here's what that means. Here's what that means. Here's what that means. I'm not a part of your political party or your system. And, and what's, I'm mad. Can I tell you I'm mad? Can I tell you why I'm mad as a pastor? Is I get you for 35 minutes-ish mm-hmm. on a Sunday. And Tucker Carlson gets you for an hour every single night. And then Rachel Maddow gets you for another hour of every single night. And CNN gets you for, and oh, you thought I was just trying to, call, you, oh, you thought, oh, so, it was, and then it was MSNBC, and then it was, you know, it was, you, you, it was BBC America, and it was, it was whatever you, and it was a CCBDCECFBCYE. It, it, it doesn't matter, because all day long, y'all getting preached to by everybody who's getting paid. Hey, you thought, you thought this was about virtue and values? And so, and so what happened was, 
is I don't get you for enough to try to point you back to reaching people and building lives that the book of the Bible, you, if, if you're not careful, you get lost. And so your amygdala's firing and they're telling you, if you don't do this, your country is being taken from you. And it's all fear and it's on both sides. And so it's running rampant. And your brain is out of control. And what it's doing is it's doing what Elijah was, was doing. It was, so that made y'all mad. Because you're like, I thought I was good. And now you're reminding me, Pastor, of what I, I'm mad at that side. You know, and Elijah was, was reminded of all the things that was wrong in his life. And he's looking, he's battle, his battle, listen, his battle. He's battling with what he sees on TV and social media. And inside of his, the, the demonic arena we call the neighborhood Facebook group. Right? He, he's, he's battling with what he sees, with what he believes. And so Elijah does something with his worry. What do you do with your worry? Now that I got you worried, and I got you all freaked out, what do you do with it? I stirred you all up. What do you do with it? First Kings chapter 19, he says, the Lord said to him, this is good. This is good. This is good. What are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Do you remember what you just did? You called fire, and I, I blinked fire into your life. Literal fire. You did miracles upon miracles. You, Elijah, the Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah replied, don't miss it. This is what you do. So, so what do you do when you worry? I know. It, okay. Don't tune me out, okay, because I'm about to say something to you that's going to make you roll your eyes. Just stay with me. What do you do when you worry? You do what Elijah did. You pray. Okay, 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 okay. I get it. I get it. Pastor, you're supposed to say prayer. You pastor, what are you supposed to say? Of course it's prayer. I've prayed. It don't work. He don't listen or he ain't real. Because I'm still dealing with it, right? Right? I'm, I'm just, I'm pulling the elephant out. Like, I just know. Because I've sat in service too before where I'm going through something and the pastor says, oh, well, just do what the formula says in the Bible. And then I did the formula and it didn't work. So I get it. But the Bible is true. So the question you have to ask yourself is, why does the pastor say to pray? Can I give you just, can I submit two thoughts? And, and let's just say, if you're not a Bible believer in here, this is for you. Let me just talk science for just a second. Did you know that prayer actually does something to you physically? I'm going to read something to you. Number one, it can change the chemistry of your brain. It's called neuroplasticity, that your brain can be molded. Hear me, if you don't hear anything else, you might think you're stuck the way that you are. You're not. You're not. Not spiritually, not physically, not mentally, not emotionally. You don't have to stay there. Okay? So Dr. Andrew Nurberg of, he's the director of research at Thomas Jefferson Hospital and Medical College in Pennsylvania. He's got more degrees than a thermometer. I'm like, man, I... I'm just a local church pastor in San Antonio, Texas. He says this, prayer is like a physical workout for the brain and can change its chemistry. 
Second expert, Caroline Leaf, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a cognitive neuroscientist, she says it's, it's been found through research that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain so much to an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. So science is catching up with what the Bible's always been saying. And at the end of the day, you need to know when you pray, it changes your chemistry. Second thing it does, it's been found that it's one of the only things that you and I can do to regulate the overfiring of our amygdala. What did we just talk about? I got y'all's amygdalas firing earlier because I reminded you of all the chaos in the world and why everybody is not going to make it. So what you and I do is we go, what do we do? What, what do we do? We got to do something. We got to do something. What I'm, I'm encouraging, try to prayer. Because, because Dr. Newberg says, even says, he said, studies show that it can, prayer can regulate and decrease the amygdala's fight and flight response. Romans says this from Paul. Paul says this. He says, um, um, uh, the mind governed by the flesh is death. So he says, you left unto yourself is not a good thing. The worst place that you can go in your mind, it, the worst place you can go is, is your mind, especially alone. So, so he says, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What do you think you're doing? You're just governing your life and your mind with, with the spirit when you pray. And you get life and you get peace out of that. So I get it. You've heard prayer before. I'm giving you a, I'm trying to prove to you that, that it works. Let me tell you how to pray. Can I tell you how to pray? Okay. I'm going to tell you how to pray um, in a way that is, um, let me just say it like this. Don't pray like your pastor. You want to know how I pray? My natural way to pray? I'll give you an example. You ready? I step on a nail. Ow! God, why did you tell me there was a nail there? I just said, I'm bleeding. I'm in pain. Wait, ouch. It's hurting still. Maybe I hit a major blood vessel in my foot. Now I have tetanus. I read on WebMD, because I just Googled it, that tetanus can do this and this, and my bones are going to shatter, and now I have to get a wheelchair? How much do those cost? I got to buy a wheelchair. Now, how am I going to preach in that? Do we even have a ramp to get me up onto the stage to pray? Now I can't preach. I'm going to lose my job. My wife's going to leave me. Where are my kids? My kids, she's obviously going to take the kids. Who wants a dad who, who can't preach anymore? They like me only because I'm a pastor, right? So, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, and now I have no money, and i got to move to a shack in the woods by myself and die alone. Do you see how I pray? God, why did you let that happen? Does anybody pray like me? I can rabbit trail a situation with the best of them. I'm very creative. So instead of doing that, maybe pray specifically, God, instead of removing the issue, I'm going to look for your presence. And God, as I look at your Bible and all the people who you love and love you and the great men and women who, celebrate, who we celebrate in the Bible, what I realize is that all of their situations were never removed. But, but but you, they somehow brought you into it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you should go read it. They're standing in front of a fire about to be thrown in, and they prayed for God to deliver them. <laughs> and God doesn't do it. 
the way that they thought. He's thrown into the fire. So they're in the fire. Now they're in the fire. Remind you, they did not stop. God didn't stop the fire. God didn't make the fire go away. God could do anything. God could have snapped his fingers and everything would have disappeared. They'd have been on a beach somewhere drinking you know, pina coladas. They could have been doing anything at that moment. But he didn't. They got thrown into the fire. And then the Bible says that there was a fourth person. Come on. There's a fourth person walking in the fire. There's a fourth person. There's another one in the fire. There's Jesus is in the fire. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. He doesn't remove you. He's, with you. he's invited into the presence of the moment. And when he's in the presence of the moment, that's the only way you get through it. First Kings, he says, he says this with, with Elijah. He says, go out. So, so they have this prayer moment. And God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. He didn't, he didn't tell him that he was going to get rid of Jezebel. How many of y'all have some Jezebels in your life you want to get rid of? Just me? Okay, cool. We got a few. And so, like, the spirit of that in our lives, we all just want, God, just, just, just get rid of it. And God's saying, no, no, I just, just bring me into it. Bring me into that fight. Bring me into that moment. You're in your marriage right now. Some of y'all are fighting in your marriage. You got here, and this is like your last thing. You're like, look, we're going to go to church, and God better speak. Otherwise, this is basically over. Don't say it don't happen. Don't act like it don't happen. It happens every week we have church. And you maybe have prayed, Lord, remove this thorn from my side. <laughs> you don't even see the flower anymore. All you see the thorns, right? <laughs> she somehow became a different person. I always hear that all the time. Pastor, don't you hear that, Pastor Jason? She's a different person. He's a different person. Well, welcome to life. They grew up. Oh, wow. They don't look the same. They don't act the same. They don't talk the same. Well, congratulations. You're a human. She's a human. He's a human. And you asking them to leave. Or, God, come into this thing. God, you got to come into this thing. God, you got to be here. And this, the, you, your kid's on, on prodigal life. He's, on, he's, he's, he's trying out for prodigal son season one on Netflix, right? And he, you just like, what's wrong with you? Why are you making those decisions? And you're like, God, I don't understand. This kid, just, he's just nothing but a knucklehead in my life. And God's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just bring me into him. Just bring me into this moment when you're fighting with him. Just bring me into this situation with your son. Just remember you were that son before I met you. And, and I didn't let you go. So just bring him into here so he'll be okay. Just got to bring him in. Don't ask me to take, don't take it away. That's how you learn could be a job come on somebody you talking about give me a new job yep. and you like man just give me a job i gotta get out of this thing and you trying to find a way to god saying man what if you just get me into that world of yours just you don't know what i'm doing right now there's some there's a bigger story at play if you just get me into it and 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 you 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 invite him in and here's how you know he's there okay i'm gonna give you a key this is it and i'm done play the music it's over he doesn't come the way you think he comes. He comes in a whisper. He comes in a whisper. This is important. We'll read it quick. First Kings 19. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. And a mighty windstorm came, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord, y'all know, y'all guessed it. He wasn't in the fire. But then, but then, this is good. And after the fire, after all that, after all the ways I thought he would show up, because I thought I needed an earthquake, and I thought I needed a wind, and I thought I needed a fire to burn that thing right out of my life. He, he shows up, sound of a gentle 
whisper. Why does God whisper? You ever ask yourself that question? God, why do you whisper? Number one, he whispers because he's close. You don't whisper to somebody who's far away. I'm trying to yell at this person in the back row. I don't go, hey, I'm over here. What's up? I yell because he's far. I whisper because I'm close. Psalm 23, either I walk through the valley of the, I walk through it. And you notice that? There he is again. I, it's not, hey, I, even though you take away all the valley of the shadow of death and I never have to walk through it. No, that's not what it says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why don't you fear no evil? Why? Because you're with me in it. He says, so, so, so I'm not going to let my feelings determine be the determining factor on whether or not you're around. You have to make that decision in your mind. By the way, God's omnipresent, which means he doesn't go places. He's already there. He's never booked a ticket on Travelocity. He doesn't know what it's like to stay and fly standby. He's never been on a road trip. He's already there. He whispers because he's close. Second thing, second thing. This is it. and I'm done. I'm done. He whispers because he wants to draw us close. All right. All right. All right. Y'all ready? Okay. I, the only way I can describe this, babe, come here. Come here. It's my wife. And, um, and so she, she's going to come up. My wife thinks she, she's, she has this trick with me. She thinks I haven't figured it out, but I have. I figured it out. Anytime my wife wants me to get closer to her, she whispers at me. And so this is, this is what we'll do. So I'll sit there and just pretend like you're whispering to me. Just whisper something. So I'll sit down and, she, and she'll, she'll start off. She'll say, babe. She'll say it in normal words. Yeah, yeah. What? What was you? What you I can't hear you. Oh, that's what she does. That's a trick she does to me. And I'm trying to watch baseball. Right? Thank you, baby. So I'm trying. I'm trying to watch baseball. I'm trying to pay attention. I'm trying to like. I'm like, baby, you don't understand. It's the ninth inning, and the Giants are about to win this game, and you gotta wait for just a second. You don't understand. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. If I don't pay attention, I don't wear my hat the right way with my jersey on. They're gonna lose. And she's like, she's. I'm like, huh, 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 huh. And she kissed me. And you know, she kissed me every time. She every time she kissed me. I'm like, hey, hey. How, we're like that because you thought you thought if you really pay attention to social media that the world the more you post the world's going to change you thought you thought you thought that you can tr control your life to peace you got life in a headlock and you and what's funny about life is that you, when just when you think you got it, isn't it true? Come on. Just when you think you're good, boom, something happens. Don't, don't act like it didn't happen. You thought control did it. Control doesn't do it. He wants to, what's he doing? In the moments you're trying to control, what he's doing is he's whispering to you. He's trying to go, hey, hey, Aaron. I'm going, huh? Hold on. I got this thing to take care of because you ain't paying attention. Hold on. And he's going, hey, Aaron. What, huh? Yeah, but you don't understand. Hold on. Huh? Huh? What is he doing? He's trying to draw you whisper to someone you're trying to pull close and I, I just believe this with all my heart if 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 we could don't pull the the enemy wants you to pull back when you're in anxiety and worry that's what we do we go we do what elijah did we go to the cave alone 
Uh-uh. Everything's going to hurt me. Oh my gosh. Now we're, this guy's in political office. It's all going downhill. Oh my gosh, COVID's this, this, if we don't go, everybody doesn't get vaccines. We're, nobody gets vaccines. We shouldn't get vaccines. There's nothing going to happen. Oh my gosh, nobody's masking. Everybody's going to mask. Oh my gosh, everybody, like we need to talk about this. We need to talk about that. Oh my, oh my God. Oh my, oh my, you see what I'm saying? And we, we, we pull back. We pull back. And God's saying, no, no, lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. And it's, this is not a formula. This is not a magic pill. You will walk, you will walk out of here still struggling you're going to struggle with him that's the key that's the key don't do it alone struggle with him he's in the whisper come on you can clap for that he's in the whisper he's in the moments he's there and it's not going to fix overnight but i'm going to take a step i'm going to take a step everybody say this when they say god is is. in control say say this god knows me me. He he sees me he knows my name Say that again. God knows me. He sees me. He knows my name. You have to know that in your heart so that you can get through the things of life. I pray that this series has been helpful. And I pray that God speaks to you in every aspect of your life, that you take a step today towards your best mental health.